So don't you think at all, no matter where you are in your life right now, and no matter what challenge that you're facing right now, you are special to God. You mean the world to Him. Somebody needs to hear an encouraging word about that this morning. And God wants to inspire us with hope this morning for that. Hope is shaped by God's influence, not by adhering to cultural norms, not by doing it correctly or doing it the way the establishment says we should do it. Jesus' way, like I said, it was not welcomed by the religious establishment, but hope inspires us to take risks, and it understands that struggles and trials are a part of the territory. We got to understand that because we face trials. There's always something that can be faced. There's always a season in our lives where it's hard where it seems like we're always trying to build foundation. We're always hitting a bump in the road or a valley. And Jesus came to make the mountains, to bring the valleys up and to bring the mountains down so that we could have a straight path toward victory in him. So some attitudes that are opposite to what we're talking about this morning are doubt, despair, discouragement, pessimism. Has anybody ever felt that way? Sure. Sure. We're going to feel that way at times. We're going to feel that way at times. But that, this is the whole purpose of why hope is a necessary ingredient within our lives. It's part of our diet. It's part of our spiritual and holistic, if you will, diet. And so we're going to experience emotions along the way as they are a part of our growth as human beings. But God will reinfuse us every time with hope as we travel through travel through disappointment and hardship, travel through the valley of the shadow of death. Do you hear that? We have to travel through it. And I'm going to show you that all a part of hope is traveling through those valleys. It's not avoiding them. It's not going around them. It's not having somebody else do it for us, but it's about traveling through those valleys. So when we put our hope in something, we invest our energies into what we seek and forge a course of action to support what we're going after. Hope propels us toward the destination that God has promised to us individually, as a body. 
And it overrides and sustains us through the daily uncertainty that we're gonna, we are going to have along the way. But we have to be people of hope and people of strength because God has called us to be beacons of hope to those who need it. And that's every one of us here and as even collectively as a body. I believe that we have to give hope and sources of hope to one another. Our mission here in Hope City Church is so that people, the vision, so that people apart from God can experience the hope of Jesus Christ. And I want to submit to you that those people that are apart from God are not out there somewhere. Now, some of them are going to come here and receive hope from us. But I want to submit to you that each one of us is apart from God in some way of our lives. Because we are growing to the destiny that God has for us. And I need someone who has what I don't have to understand the power of hope and the power of the destiny that God has called that person to. So why? So that I can come alongside them and support them and understand what it is that we're going through. Hebrews 11.2 says that the ancients, such as Enoch and Abraham, Sarah and Rahab, Gideon and Samson, were applauded for being sure of what they saw and welcomed from a distance. Some of them never saw the fulfillment of the hope that God had called them to. But guess what? We're not necessarily called to see the fulfillment of the hope that he's called us to. Because when God called them to see it from a distance, hope has something to do with seeing. Something to do with seeing into a realm beyond this natural world. And without a relationship with God, you ain't gonna get there. That relationship is so vital. And without a relationship with other people who God puts in your path to mentor you, to support you, friends and mentors, family members, without them, you ain't going to see it either because we are not to do this thing alone. God did this on purpose. He gave each one of us a weakness on purpose because he doesn't want us doing it all. And he wants us to know that we need him. We need each other. So they were convinced that God had promised them. They convinced that it was worthy enough for all of their ambitions and all of their commitment and all of their focus. That's a big bill, isn't it? That is quite a demand, isn't it? So somehow they knew God enough to, to listen to him and to follow him and to, to go after what he called them to do. And they also knew there was a struggle 
and that it was a part of the territory, but they were compelled to go by a greater force than their present limitations. Say limitations. Say, I have limitations. You have limitations. We all have limitations. But God is going to transport us beyond our limitations. That is what he's going to do. Amen. And so the ancients, I might submit to you, they were guided by a different set of eyes. They saw differently than conventional wisdom of the time. They saw differently than those who thought they were wise in this world. And there were, I'm sure there were a lot of people that were drawn to the politics of the day. It was a big thing back then, to the religious hierarchy of the day, you know? And don't, don't think that we're so far from that. We can always, all of us could get caught up in things that are about us and that are self-centered. So all of us are guilty of it. But God still chose to take the risk of going beyond. So to be a people of hope, we've got to allow God to give us foresight about the future that he has for us. And I'm talking about the future that he has for us as a body here at Hope City Church. Not just our own individual things that we're doing in our family and how God has called us there, but I think he really wants to get after the future that he has for us as a church. We've been building for seven years foundations. And in places it's been hard. But we've been building. We've been building. We've been building. And some of you are here from even the, when we began back then. And then we began to see friends come, more people come and come. And so we are now entering our eighth year as a people together. And eight, it means new beginnings. In the Bible, eight means new beginnings. So that is a source of hope for us. Knowing that we may not know exactly where he's taking us at this very moment, but we can have hope in the fact that he is giving us new beginnings because we have been faithful to establish the foundation, to go through some things that were hard, to build hope on the inside of us. Another interesting thing about hope is that it is linked to other characteristics of God and traits and assurances and symbols in the Bible. So when I began to study hope and look, do a word study in the scriptures about hope, I found many character traits that come along with hope, that they work together with hope. Just like we work together in hope to do what we 
do here as the body of Christ. Some of those traits are endurance, encouragement, integrity, courage, waiting, resting. Those are good words, and they're strong words. Again, Romans 15.4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Say that word, teach us. So that through endurance, say endurance, taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Psalms 25.1 says, May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope is in the Lord. So do you see that, that in order to have God build hope on the inside of us and it, for it to be something that is a learned thing, believe it or not, it can be learned. Hope is not something that God's just going to throw into us because we've done the right things. It's something we have to learn. And watch this. We have to learn it through his teaching. We have to endure some things. We have to be encouraged by the scriptures and by the body of Christ, by other people. We have to walk in integrity and uprightness. And that's not always easy to do because there's some things, you know, the world doesn't really, you know, they don't really think too highly of keeping their word anymore. I mean, you can just look out and whatever is going on, whether it's politics or business or things. I'm not, not saying that there aren't good practices out there, but I'm saying the culture as a whole, it doesn't mean too much to break your word anymore. It's almost, it's almost an expected thing nowadays. And contracts don't mean much anymore either. But we have to be by a different standard. We have to live by the standard of hope on the inside of us so that we can endure, that we can be encouraged, that we can be integrous, that we do have courage to wait upon the Lord when it's hard. When we're saying, God, where are you? I thought that, you know, it's been three years now. Gosh. You know. And we do know, all of us know that there, there is more time in Scripture with some of the guys that were in Scripture, women and men. Some of them didn't see it. And they lived to be about 100, sometimes more than that. You know? And so, but, but, but I think we can get caught up in our world where everything is just like that. I can get whatever I want just like that. I can get whatever knowledge I want just like that. Whatever, whatever I want is right there at my fingertips. We have to be careful not to fall into that. Because it's, an, it's, a, it's a tool of the enemy to keep us from being where we're supposed to be in God. So it also implies assurances, hope does. Words like guidance, teaching, help, unfailing love. Inheritance, insight, 
satisfaction, cheerfulness, fellowship, salvation. There's so many words. Guide me, Psalm 25.5. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all the day long. And there's also symbols in Scripture that are used. Such as an anchor. All of us know that hope is an anchor of the soul. The sun is used in Scripture. Shields are used in Scripture. All of these images are a part of the hope that God is building on the inside of us. And it's important to know this so that when we read Scripture, we can understand that sometimes we're reading the parables. We're reading metaphor. We're reading things that explain what Jesus is trying to teach to us. We need to understand some of the language that's used in Scripture to be able to get a grasp on what he's asking of us. So hope gives us eyes that see beyond our current situation and even with the ancients beyond their generation. And do you know that we're building things right now for the upcoming generation that we're never going to see. But isn't it a privilege and an honor to be chosen by God to build those things for the next generation? 17th century theologian Jeremy Collier said, Hope is a vigorous principle. It sets the head and the heart to work and animates a man to do his utmost. So to be vigorous is to be carried out forcefully, energetically, full of physical or mental strength and active force. All of us had that at one time when we were a little bit younger than we are now. But sometimes... God wants us to be in a place where we're there again, where we have renewal of strength, renewal of courage and integrity. So hope carries with it a certain attitude and a stamina. And it is a vehicle which God uses to transport us beyond the threshold of our natural limitations and gives God a platform to fulfill his promises. Hope is so important to the Christian life, to making it through to the destination God has called us to. But as I said before, it does not come without cost. Romans 5 Verses 3 and 5 in the J.B. Phillips version says, This doesn't mean, of course, that we have only a hope for future joys. We can be full of joy here and now, even in our trials and troubles, taken in the right spirit. I want to say that again. Taken in the right 
Spirit, these very things will give us patient endurance. In turn, we'll develop a mature character. And a character of this sort produces a steady hope. A hope that will never disappoint us. Already, we have some experience of the love of God flooding through our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So if you'll see, there's a couple of things that even come before steady hope in our lives. It's something that is learned as we grow. God has to impress this into us as a people. To be a community impressed with foresight, we have to first be developed in patient endurance. How many of us could use a little bit more patience? A little bit more endurance? Okay. So we know that we have something right here. These words that we can work on as a people. Then a mature character. One that is full of integrity. One that keeps its word even though sometimes you don't want to. And it hurts. And you said the wrong thing and you promised the wrong thing to this person. And by gosh, now I got to do it even though I don't want to. But that's all a part of developing hope and developing character on the inside of us. Then as we do that, a steady hope will come. So as I've mentioned before, as we all know, Abraham and Sarah, in Romans 4, the message says, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw, he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. Abraham didn't focus on his impotence and say, it's hopeless, this hundred-year-old body could never father a child, nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. Why did he get to this place where he could say that? It's because God had done some groundwork in his life. In Genesis chapter 12, God took Abram out and showed him the stars. And I'm, I'm guessing that in that day when we didn't have all this artificial light and anything, it was quite a sight to see. Maybe it's like what NASA is seeing now out in space. All the wonderful things that are being seen. Maybe it was like that, but the point was that God had to put a vision of hope on the inside of him so that he could look back to that when things were hard. When that 25 years went by and no child had come. 25 years. You know? So we've got to begin to see in a perspective of hope differently than what we see now. Because what we see now is too short-sighted. We need to have more hope to see beyond that place. So God had made an impression upon Abraham. Abraham was anchored on the hope that he learned 
Through his experience with God, in hope he set his head and heart to work and continued along the path that God called to him, as Sarah did as well. So I just want to share some impression of hope that I see here for us as a church. So if you don't know, we get together on Wednesday mornings for prayer. And it's just Cheryl Weaver leads it. It's been wonderful. God has done some wonderful things in our hearts and he's given hope. Pastor James has been there. Pastor Travis has been there. Dave has been there. Victor's been there. And maybe a few more that I'm not thinking of. Roseanne, yes, Roseanne has been there since day one. Praise God. And Roseanne is an example of someone who has stood and stood and stood and still stands. Praise God. You're looking good today, sister. Hallelujah. So a few weeks ago, we were gathered together to pray. We were in the prayer room. And the text that Cheryl had shared that morning was John chapter 14, chapter 15, and chapter 16. And so the scene of this of these chapters is the last supper. Jesus and his disciples are sharing their last meal together. And Jesus is doing his best to assure the disciples that the things that are about to happen to him are indeed the will of God. And you know what? They didn't get that at that point. They spent three years with this guy. They saw everything he did. But even at this point right now, they didn't get it. Guess what? Sometimes we're not going to get it when it's right in front of us. And Jesus says, this is the will of the Father. This is the way I want you to go. But then other times he's going to help us. Thank God for him. <laughs> So I was intrigued when Cheryl began to say these verses because just a few hours earlier that morning, I was reading John chapter 17, which was the prayer, Jesus' final prayer that he prayed before he left the earth, before he was crucified and left the earth. And he was praying for his disciples. He was praying for us. And I, be, and I just waited for the right moment to say it because there was prayer going on. God was moving. He was doing some things. And I read this scripture. My prayer, this is John chapter 17, latter in the verse. It says, my prayer is not for them alone, his 12 disciples that were with him. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. 
So our unity as a body has something to do with the hope that God has given to us and the vision that he has given to us as a body. Can you see that? And so we continued in prayer. And there was an impression that had come to me. And I've gotten some impressions in the past from God too. And it, it, each time it has been about the body of believers that I've been serving with. It hasn't been about me when I'm praying with another group of believers, with people. And so I want to submit this to you. That I saw Jesus with a fireball in his hand. And the scene was the handful of us at the church were having a snowball fight right out there. And we were engaged with Jesus in this snowball fight. And Jesus brought his hand back and he launched that fireball from his hand and it pelted us with it. And he was clearly in a playful mood. That's one part I want you to get for us as a church in this season. That Jesus is in a playful mood about his people in this church and what we are doing in this church. And so as the fireball hit, it went into the person and thoroughly drove out any darkness that was present within. Praise God. And I don't believe that that one person, I believe that one person represents all of us as the church. That Jesus is in a playful mood that he wants to have snowball fights, and that he wants to drive the darkness out of us that is within. And so we're sitting there, and we're continuing in prayer, and just comes out of my mouth, God just begins to say, I love you. I love you. I love you. I really love you. He really wanted to get that point across to us that he loves us where we are right now. And he has a vision and a destiny and something that he is working on the inside of us. And I would submit that he wants us to look at it that way. That it does not have to be so hard in this season. That this is a transitional season for us. And that maybe the hope that Jesus pelts us with as an invitation to see him differently. To see him in a different way. And maybe the hope that Jesus hurls in us is that of lightheartedness. And joy. Isn't that an encouraging word? Hallelujah. 
And that Jesus wants to infill us, each one of us, the body as a whole, with fresh vigor and strength. How many could use some fresh vigor and strength? And that I believe that Jesus is inviting us to consider the way that he is leading us as a church can be easy and fun and light. Hallelujah. So that inspires hope on the inside of me. So I'm just inviting, I believe Jesus is just inviting us to consider these things. He was never one to make people believe what he was saying. He was never one to be hard with his word at his people. He was always invitational in the way that he said things, in the way that he did things. And so we could, should consider as Pastor James and what's being said that we are standing at the threshold of a transitional season. And perhaps we should consider Jesus is pointing us toward a vision unlike the one that we become accustomed to. Hallelujah. Perhaps we are being asked to lay down our certainties about Jesus and the Christian life. And being certain about something is being fixed or settled. Do you know that there are things about Jesus that nobody knows? There are things about Jesus that he wants to reveal to us fresh and new and not things that we've already been taught or things that have been that, that are part of our foundational belief. There are new things about Jesus that he wants to give to us fresh with vigor. So Hebrews chapter 11 says that all these people talking about Abel and Noah and Enoch and Abraham and Sarah were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things that were promised or hoped for. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So God used and uses within us right now the vigorous principle of setting our heads and our hearts to work and animating us to the utmost to fulfill what he's called us to do. His hope remains in us and it will remain in us and it will continue to go. And I'm just going to leave you with this. Spanish poet Antonio Manchado said, Traveler, there is no path. The path must be forged as you walk. The path is to be forged as we walk. And that, I believe that's what is happening to us here as a church. That the path is being forged as we walk. And that this coming season is, is one of lightheartedness and joy. That this coming season is of Jesus throwing fireballs at us and driving out the things that are not His will and His way. He is throwing integrity 
into us to consider. He is throwing uprightness into us to take hold of. And he believes in every person in this room today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. May God bless us today. May he continue to inspire hope in us. And I want you to look at it as Jesus is inviting us to consider these things. He's not telling us to do it. He's not telling us that we have to. He's not twisting our arm to do it. He's inviting us into his presence of joy and lightheartedness and strength and vigor. Amen? Let me pray. And I believe maybe God just wants to, us to sit and hear some worship. Just be in our hearts.